You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, Kate Campbell. It is good to be here talking everything you need to know about buying your chosen ETF as part five of our ETF mini-series. So if you have just landed on this episode and have not listened to the previous four episodes and you don't know what an ETF is or how to research one, we suggest going back in time four days ago and starting with part one of the mini-series. And welcome to the show again, Mini Pizza. Hello, hello. Monique, wonderful to have you with us. Today we're talking about how to actually buy an ETF. So we've got through all the fun stuff of what is an ETF, how to research one, how it fits. Now, okay, how do I buy it? The interesting thing is this step is often what trips people up. And which broker do I go with? Yes. Which broker do I but go with is probably the question we get even more than which ETF do I choose, which I find is quite interesting. Yeah. So once you uh, realize that it doesn't really matter that much, um, you'll be all right. We know it's very hard to get... There are two types of people that make, make decisions. There's the people that really think about it and there's the people that kind of just but should be right. Just get I'll it done. I'll take the baked beans. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're also going to talk about how to keep your ETF alive, unlike your Tamagotchi in this episode. So we will talk about how to find your ETF share registry, how to put your tax file number in, how to keep your bank details up to date, how to elect Tamagotchi. for- Yeah. I mean, I always killed mine. So we've got to keep like- Keep watering the ETF. We do not want tax withheld from our distributions. So we want to keep it keep it healthy. So basically what to do to buy an ETF and invest in one and what to do once you've bought one. You've got a brokerage account, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So when for those of you that don't, when you uh, invest in the stock market, you need a broker. And in the times gone by, they were actual people that would take your money they would scribble your order down on a piece of paper and they would go down to the market and try and get it filled. Thanks to the internet and computers, you now do this virtually all online. Cool. Um, so, for example, I've never used a physical broker. I have 
you can still use them, but I have no reason to. And so all of this is done online. Some of the most popular names in Australia include... Comsec, Selfwealth, Perla, mm-hmm. the supporter of our podcast. We also have Stake. Mm-hmm. Bell Potter. Uh, Nabtrade. Trade's still big with Nab an Trade. older demographic. CMC Markets, Superhero. Uh, Sharesies. Sharesies, a lot of new ones like Moomoo, a lot of different names. So these are all brokers. Now, we've done a full episode on this, so we won't necessarily go into the detail of how do you pick one. There are many episodes on this. Uh, if you're a RAS Core member, if you want one of our members, you can click on the brokerage tab at the top and you can see what all of the other members have chosen just for some confirmation bias, I guess. <laughs> the most popular one and the biggest one in Australia is Comsec, um, but it's not right for everyone necessarily. So have a look around, compare some of those names that Kate just mentioned. So once you have your broker, you go into the account and you search for the ETF that you want, uh, just like you would search for a share using the symbol the ticker symbol. Yeah. So in the last episode, we talked about IVV. Mm-hmm. That's the ticker symbol. In the episode before that, we talked about VAS and your ETF is... IOZ. IOZ. So in the stock market, we search by the barcode basically, which is different to when you go and buy a box of favorites. So what we do is once we find it, then we t- determine how much we want to invest. So today, I've only given you enough money to buy one unit of IVV (laughs) because IVV has a price at the moment of $582 for one unit. So you would have to have this money in most cases. So once you've opened up your brokerage account, you've got the money in your linked bank account or some brokers make you put it into a specific cash management account before you can place an order. So they know that you've got that money there. Right. That's typically set up when you create your brokerage account. You yep. link your bank account or they create one for you. And they'll give you the specific details of where you have to have that money or how you pay for it. Yeah. So on the table, um, we can see, Kate, can you grab that box of favorites and take it over to you? Remember the analogy here is that inside a box of favorites, you've got a bit of everything. Yes. So this box of favorites today I'm holding in my hand is representing the IVV ETF, which is the iShares S&P 500 ETF. So we've got Apple in here. We've got Disney. We've got Tesla. We've got Google. Everything you could want in an ETF. So, Monique, you're going to play the role of an investor. Yes. Kate, you're going to play the role of a seller or in this case, iShares, who put the ETF yes. together. So, Monique, you are an investor. You need a broker. Yes. I'm going to be your broker. Hello. So, you want to buy that box of favorites over there. It's going to cost you, what do you say, Kate? We're $580 today. $580 All today. Right. So, you need to give me, being your broker, just like I'm Perla, Comsec, Selfwealth, whatever, you give me the $580. Thank you. There you go. Thanks, Ta. But you also need to pay me. This is just for your ETF. Okay. So you've given me the right amount to buy one in this case. Um, you could have given me twice as much, in which case you would have got two. Mm-hmm. But I need this to pay for the thing that I'm going to get for you. But I also need to be paid from you. All right. And I'm going to charge you $10. Oh, so I've got a $10. Another 10 Right here. here Thank you, you so much. So yeah. you, when you pay, you put both of these numbers together and I deduct my fee from the money. Right. So you have to have enough to cover the box that we're about to buy, mm-hmm. but also enough to cover me. Yep. Yeah. Is that all included in the one Yes. The one transaction? It is. It? You'll see it when you do your order. It will say uh, the investment amount, $580, and then below it will say brokerage fee, 10 bucks. Okay. Yeah. So 
Owen as the broker wants to be paid for his role in facilitating the transaction. And he helps put data together. He gives you an app. He gives you a platform where you can hold all of your investments, but he wants to be paid to do so. And generally, you have to pay to buy and you have to pay to sell. So in the down the future, when you want to sell this ETF in years' time, you're going to have to pay him as well. Hopefully, the brokerage fees are lower in 10 years. So let's complete the transaction. Yeah. So in this instance, the, the order has gone in to the market. So it's in the middle of the table now. Yep. Now what's going to happen is it's an ETF. So I'm going to send that $580 over to Kate because I can see the price. I'm a broker. I can see what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. I can see the order and I say, I'll take that box of favorites. She takes the money. Yep. yep. I take the $10 because I've just completed the transaction. Fee. And then I send the ETF back to you. Yay. And me, as iShares, I'm going to use the money to yep. go and buy the shares that yep. are in this ETF. So I'm going to go and buy some Apple shares. I'm going to go and buy... A lot of different companies, but I'm going to use this money for that. Yep. And then, right. we're talking about management fee or not in this example? Sure, yeah. Take the So, you've got $580 that's Monique's and you have provided her the box of favorites mm-hmm. that she can see in her account, but you're going to take some of it too because you need to keep the ongoing management. So, you're yeah. going to take a tiny little bit. Yeah, so would I take that from the chocolate pile here? Yeah, you could take it from the chocolate pile. Yes. Or you so. could take it out of the, the box of chocolates. So you just you deduct a very small amount. You keep that for yourself. Then if Monique ever wants to sell in the future, she would send the box of favorites into the market via her broker, which is me. So I would put it out in the market. Now what would happen is- And she'd pay you She'd pay fee. me my $10 again. But she, uh, but this box- could be sold back to you, Kate, and your market makers, they're called, or they could be sold to another investor who just so happens to be putting in their buy order at the same time. Okay. Because the unit already exists. The unit yeah. can go to someone else or I can take the unit back. Yeah. Okay. So the only difference between, remove the box now, and now, Kate, you've got some chocolates there. Can yes. you just grab those for me? And can you give the money back to Monique? Yes, Monique, you've got your $580 back. So I'm going to put these chocolates next to you for a second. Now, we're going to do the same thing just to illustrate how a share might be slightly different. So, Kate, in this case, you're not iShares. You're just Kate Campbell, the investor. And you've got a bunch of shares. Like you've got Flakes. Yeah, you've I've got, got some Apple here. I've got some Disney. got some Telstra. Yep. Now, Monique, your minimum investment for a share has to be $500. Okay. So, can you just grab out 500 bucks? Mm, and five of these. Yep. <laughs> so, now you want to buy $500 of Telstra. Okay. Right? Now, the way you get your shares is there has to be a seller. Mm-hmm. Unlike with the iShares thing where Kate could take your money and create the box for you, in this instance, there is only a limited supply. And you can see that on the table over there. Yeah. So Kate has to put in a sell order. So she would put a sell order into the market. Yep. And today I'm selling my Telstra share for $100. Yep. Now you would have to put in your your bid to get right. that before another investor. Okay. So you would say, give me that $500, which is the minimum amount, and she's priced at $100 each. Yeah. Yep. Are you willing to pay $100 for this Telstra share or do you only want to pay $95 per share? So you can choose your price. Okay. Yep. And so that's what we call a limit order when you do that. Right. And so what this means is that if you put in $95 and Kate says she wants 100 you guys are not going to match. Yeah. So we're like on Tinder where it doesn't work. <laughs> yes, but um, you might match with somebody else. Someone else might come okay. in and say, I'll take $95. Okay. And my order will just sit there until yep. someone comes along that matches it. And sometimes it never happens because I've put a 
really crazy price yeah, on okay. my sell. But then you can, but then eventually Kate's order will get sold because someone, if the share price goes up a bit, someone will come in. Yeah. The broker will take the shares, Kate will get her money, and I'll send that back to you. And okay. then you become the holder of Telstra. So it's kind of like sometimes it's not an instant thing. You have to wait. Yeah. With and, and, and this is more of the case with individual shares because every time an ETF is bought, basically every time, it's created. Mm-hmm. A new one is created. Okay. Whereas when you have shares, there's only a limited number. Okay. So you have to wait for a seller. Okay. Yeah. You can put in a market order which will just match you off with the price that I've decided to put in. The closest price. Yep. yep. Or you can put a limit order and you're like, I will not pay more than $95 per share okay. of this company. And is that just like a personal preference or is there a better way to do it? So the for individual shares, uh, the way to think about it is what are you, yeah, prefer, personal preference. Are you just Do you just want the shares if that's the case and just get them? Yeah. And my the way I think about this is if you were to buy Telstra, um, and you wanted to invest in it for 10 years, are you really going to remember the couple of cents? Mm. Um, you can actually look in your brokerage account. So if you're investing with me, I would show you, mm-hmm. I'd say, just so you know, Monique, here's what's currently available in the market. And I would show you the top five sellers and yeah. you can see their prices and how many shares they're selling. That's what we call depth. So you can see the depth of the market. You can see how busy it is. Cool. And so then you could say, okay, I can see that Telstra is selling for $100. I don't know who the seller is because you don't know Kate's name, but you just know that there's an investor at that price. Yeah. So then you would be like, okay, I'll buy it at $100. Okay. And then that would instantly execute. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 Or you might just go, I'm ha- I want to buy Telstra, but I don't want to buy it until it's $80 and you just might wait a few months until it gets to that point okay. if yeah. you don't think the company's worth $100. So you don't necessarily have to put a limit order. You could just wait. You could just yeah. wait. And so if this- you put in that um, order and you change your mind, you're like, it's been a month and it's, you still haven't got it, can you take it back or does yeah, it yeah. just sit you there? Can you cancel can cancel it. Yeah. Okay. Cancel it any time as long as it hasn't been filled. Yeah. Okay. Um, your order, just as a weird way, your order can be partially filled from different investors. So let's say, for example, you want 1,000 shares and there's only 500 from Kate and there are 500 from another investor. Mm-hmm. What you might actually receive in your brokerage account, it might say partially filled and then there's another thing that says partially filled. And what that actually means is that different investors have contributed to the overall pie that you've got. Okay. So if there were like a few more investors sitting around the table, you could get a bit from everyone yeah. to fill your order. And that happens quite regularly because you got to think, in particular, in particular, blue chips like Telstra, there could be millions yep. of investors. So the chance that you're going to get one is pretty good. Yep. Whether you get it all from one investor, maybe not. Hmm. Yeah. And there's been circumstances with smaller companies, so you probably won't run into this problem for a while where the order only gets partially filled and that's it. It just stops at that point because the company changes direction yep. in price. So, okay. um, yeah, it's something to be aware of. And if you're dealing with larger companies... Um, there's usually a lot of liquidity, meaning there's a lot of people buying and selling on any given day. Yep. Right. So you, for most people, you can just set a market order, as Kate said before. This is just like for the big blue chips and for ETFs. That just means selling at the best available price or buying at the best available price. Okay. You let the broker, you let me decide for you. Yep. Okay. And they yep. have a policy on that. They all have to have a policy. And we probably should note that you can't Put a, you can put an order, but you will not transact on the weekend. So yeah. the market is open during business hours, business hours being 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yeah. on non-national public holidays. And that's the Eastern time. So if you're in Perth, it's a little bit different for you. Monday to Friday. Yep. No national public holidays. So 
Um, you can check out the ASX timetable on the, uh, the website. And the US market is open at, at different times of the day. But just to ease your fears because you're like, well, I'm busy between 10 and 4. You can actually set an order the night before or you can set an order that morning. Yeah, I was going to ask, can you just do it on the weekend anyway and or just yeah. get processed? Yeah, so what hours? you can say is you can say set my order and it's um, only going to be valid for the next three days or it's only valid for 24 hours. Okay. Or you can set an order so until filled. Okay. And that just means until it gets done. Right. Yeah. Um, there is something that I would add is that um, if we come across any really wild ups and downs in the stock market, you might just want to, before you just go and set any price in your order, you probably just want to look and see. And you'll say, oh, Commonwealth Bank's down, it's up 10% today, or um, my ETF is down 5% today, which would be a big fall for an ETF. You might just want to just wait and just make sure until it's like a smooth day. Okay. It sometimes can help. Okay. Just because then you don't end up getting erratic prices and you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I often like to put the order on while the market is open because I know what's happening, mm-hmm. but, but you can do it at any time. Yeah. Like I said, you can see when you place your order, you can see sellers down one side and buyers on the other. And where they meet is the latest market price. Okay. So then if you go, so say for example, someone, say for example, there's an order that you can see in your brokerage account and it says this dairy milk is uh, $11. Someone is selling at $11, but the latest price was $10. That's a 10% difference. It's a big difference. But you could say, I'll happily pay $11. So I'm just going to buy that. So okay. you'd set your order at that level and it'll be instantly filled. Okay. Right? Now, if you're a professional investor, you couldn't tolerate that type of difference because you would, you need to get as the best price that you can for your investors. Mm-hmm. But for individuals like us, we can just be like, yeah, sure, $11. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's how you use a broker. Cool. Um, they're all a little bit different in how they do it. We all use slightly different brokers. So there's not necessarily one right answer here, different features. I mean, I use a few different brokers for different types of investing. I invest in ETFs with one broker and I'll invest with uh, in shares with another broker and then international shares with another broker. So you're allowed different brokerage accounts, uh, no fees with majority of the good ones in Australia. Yep. So yeah, there will be sometimes if you have a very fancy broker, like if I dressed up in a suit and came with a bow tie, I'd probably charge you a monthly fee. Okay. But if you just wanted the low frills Owen in a hoodie, uh, you'd get it for free and I'd just I'd only be paid when you decide to take an action. Right. Um, and so that's important. Um, with some brokerage accounts, some of them look like the inside of a fighter jet and the others look like... Um, a business class plane. Yeah. Some of them look like they're just, yeah, strange places and you don't know how you got here. Um, so I, what I would say is um, the easiest one that I've come across, it's not just because they're the sponsor of the show. It is actually per- like I, they're just the easiest because it's just like buy, sell, like very simple. Um then you have something in between, which we like stake. Yeah, and stake can be quite helpful for international investing in yeah. the US market. And then you've got at the up, other upper end, like the services, like kind of like a bit of everything would be Comsec or even Self Wealth. Yeah, um, they kind of do a bit of everything. You can buy different shares. Um, there's a lot of information on the page, like you got like different charts and different tables of data. Yeah. If you want that. So those and are kind of the spectrum. Comsec's been around for a long time. And if yeah. your parents CRG. invest and you've asked them where they, yeah. they invest, they'll probably say something like Comsec or NAB Trade if they yeah. started investing a few decades ago. What's yeah. really important to note, Monique, is that let's say I can buy all of these favorites chocolates in the market, right? Mm-hmm. 
But if I wanted to buy celebrations, imagine they're like US shares, like yeah. Apple and all that. If I wanted to buy celebrations, there's no guarantee that I can do that for you. Sometimes okay. I can only buy favorites. Yeah. Because sometimes that's all I'm permitted to do. Okay. But some brokers do both. So Self-Wealth and Stake are a good example of this. And Perler, actually. you can. It's not like you're going into a different platform. Mm-hmm. You're kind of all in one. Yeah. And so I can say, oh, do you want Australian shares today? No worries. Do you want Apple shares? Oh, I can get that for you too, right? But sometimes you need to use different brokers. So sometimes I might be sitting here beside you buying your Australian shares for you, but then you might have another version of me sitting over there buying your US shares for mm-hmm. you. Now, people think that that, oh, you can't do that. It's perfectly legitimate. Yeah. You can choose the best broker for the whatever you want to do. But does that mean you're paying fees twice? or Not if they've got no account fees. Okay. Because if they've got no account fees, all you're paying for is when you do the trade. So that's that ten dollars that you gave to me as a brokerage fee. Yeah. So you, you might only, have you only pay the brokerage fee to the broker that you're using for that transaction. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if there's another account you have, but you're not transacting in that account, you're not going to pay them a brokerage fee as well. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so that can work. Like if you have this is what we advocate for actually, and I I, I can't believe it took so long to do this. Is if you have an ETF portfolio, pick the best one for the ETFs, like the lower like low cost does all the stuff for you that you want it to do, makes it really easy. Because you're going to do that every month, regardless of whether the market's up, down, sideways, whatever. If you can automate, even better. Automate even better, right? Because it takes the emotion out of it. But then if you want to have like the uh, Monique's a party animal type investment portfolio over on the side here, which is where you just try some crazy stuff and you're like, I'm going to buy this Tesla stock. I'm going to buy that, like lithium, whatever. Like that's cool too. Maybe do that in a separate bank account, a separate brokerage account, just so that you know one of them's for like, Long term, the other ones for like best ideas. Yeah, I've got it just this. helps with the organization of it, I guess. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So then you can see, oh crap, I haven't done very well out of this one. I should like this portfolio. I should just shut that down and just stick with the yeah, boring okay. stuff. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people's journey entails. And okay. we've talked about core and satellite portfolios yes. a few times during this mini series. Um, I know some listeners have decided to do their core portfolio, which is generally made up of ETFs in one brokerage account and they'll have their satellite completely separate because there's different behavioral biases getting involved there and they won't put their core portfolio in an easily accessible place on their phone. They'll make Mm -hmm. sure it's only something they can access via desktop and they only allow to check it once a month or something like that. Yeah, that's a smart way to go about it. And yeah. I and I'm and to go one step further, I do do that. But another thing that I do is I have um, different apps on my phone for different things. So one of them, like Comsec's really good with alerts. It sends you like alerts when on your phone when their company makes a, a mm-hmm. big announcement. So you can just set it up so that it just sends you a push notification. Whereas a lot of the other brokers don't do that. Um, and then other things might be good for other things, but you don't have to have because these accounts are free. You don't have to have like uh, be paying them fees and have to have money with them. You can just open it. They, yeah. they don't like it, of course, but yeah. we like it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's – if you take one thing away from today's episode, it is go and open a couple of brokerage accounts and just have a play with the features. Don't invest anything just yet. Just see what you feel comfortable, see what features they have, what tools they have, if they give you the ability to automate your investing, what you might want to use for your core or your ETF portfolio if you want to separate it. So you can do all of this stuff without actually putting any money on the table at all. So you can open these accounts for free – no account fees on all the ones we've mentioned and you can just get a feel for it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so there's one final thing that we need to go through, and this is a really important thing, which is what happens once you buy your ETF. So in this instance, Kate is going to be iShares again. Yes. And I'm going to be what's called a share registry. Mm-hmm. So you don't appoint me. Kate appoints me in this case. Okay. Yeah. So, so I I'm work computer, for Kate. You're computer share. I'll be computer share. Yes. And you be... I, I'm iShares. Yeah, iShares. I run IVV. Yep. So she yep. runs the ETF. She pays me. Yep. It's just a very low fee to do all of her admin. Yep. And now when you buy IVV, when you invest with her, you automatically get an account with me okay. because that's what I'm paid to do. I yep. create your account for you and I say, hey, Monique, now that you've got, now that you're an iShares customer, you also have an account with us. Okay. And if you need to do any admin, don't go to them, deal with me. Okay. So I now, I will... Set your email preferences. If you prefer to be emailed, mm-hmm. you have to let me know. If uh, you want to reinvest the dividends that Kate would normally pay you, you have to tell me. And what else, Kate? If you want to provide your tax file number, which I highly recommend doing mm-hmm. because otherwise um, the registry might take some tax to, and give it to the government. Uh, instead of paying you the full distribution, you need to let the registry know. Mm-hmm. And, and then I can... When you do do that, I can then send that information directly to the ATO. Okay. So you don't have to worry about that. Okay. So pre-fills. Okay, cool. So if you do your own tax return, obviously if you're an accountant, they'll yep. do it for you, yep. but that's another thing to keep in okay. mind. So yeah, once you do your tax and everything, is there anything extra that you need to give your accountant or? Yes. So you will receive, uh, we mentioned it in the last episode, a member statement. Now, the member statement will have the name of the ETF that you're invested in. It will have the name of the share registry, which is me in this case. And it will have a table that shows you all of the different tax Components. Components, if you like. Mm -hmm. And so that will be sent to you if you select email preferences, which is where that's where iShares and BetaShares like Kate over here, they all want you to do that now. So they're all encouraging you to set email preferences. I'd highly recommend that as well, Monique, because you're going to get a lot of mail if you start investing. Yeah, right. So some of the brokers like Pearl has done this. I'm not sure about Comsec. Maybe um, they've made it so that you can select that option now in your brokerage account. You don't need to come to me. Okay, cool. Uh, just to make it a bit one step easier. Yeah. Because people were still forgetting that I even exist, yeah. to be honest. And what happens if you do forget you exist? So if you do forget you exist, you're just going to get a lot of information from me and you're going to be like, who's computer share? Who's link market services and what do they have to do with anything? Information like in the mail? Yeah. Yeah. And if you move house and I'm still sending it to your your house, like your next person is going to be seeing all of the investments that you got. Yeah. And your accountant's going to be going, I need a lot of information that you don't know where to find. Okay. Yeah. And so that's why the email works better. Yeah. Um, you can then just create a folder in your... Gmail or your Hotmail, yep, whatever easy. you use. Um, you can just filter them off to the side. But that's basically how it works. Okay. Um, the way – so, you know, when you bought that box of favorites from Kate before, the thing to keep in mind, however, is that when you first make that investment, you're going to receive something. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to receive some like type of letter unless you've elected email. Um, the important thing is that you use – what's called your holder identification number. This is like a number that's available in your brokerage account Yep. because that's the only way that I can prove that you are you. Okay. So as I said before, like Kate's going to tell me who's invested being you, Mm -hmm. 
but you need to prove to me before I let you into your account yep. who you are. Right. And you, the way you do that is with that number. That's okay. unique to you. Yeah. Yeah. Usually your holder identification number. Sometimes yeah. your last name and your postcode and a few things like that. Okay. Yeah. That's just like with anything. Like you always have a member number with anything you sign up to. Yeah. A lot of people, by the way, um, get shares, like you know, inheritance or something, and a lot of that is also taken care by me, taken care of by me. Okay. So a lot of people get um, like five thousand dollars worth of shares, and they're like, "I don't invest. I want to sell these shares. Mm-hmm. They should be coming to me." Okay. Because there is a process where I can say, you don't need to open a brokerage account, I'll just sell them for you and I'll give you the money. Okay. So that's possible too. Okay. And just importantly, you don't pick me. Mm-hmm. Kate picks me. Right. So I got no say in that. No. Yeah. But so, if you're buying a few different ETS for your core portfolio from maybe you've got one from BetaShares, one from Vanguard, one from BlackRock, chances are you'll have to have an account with ComputerShare mm-hmm. and also Link Market Services. There's a few large share registries in Australia like Owen being computer share mm-hmm. and different providers select different ones. Yes. Yeah. So there's the two big ones you will definitely come across are link market services and computer share. They're the two biggest by far, they're like the gorillas. But then there's a few smaller ones like boardroom or Automic. Automic. Mm. Yeah. So there's a few different ones. Okay. Um, but those two big ones you definitely need and you just need that number and you can set up preferences for all of your holdings in one account. Okay, cool. So yep. if you only have one investment, you probably don't need to create a full profile. But if you have multiple, chances are you're going to have multiple holdings shown inside computer share, multiple holdings shown inside link market services. So you may as well just do it all in one. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Yeah. And you just go in, you select the dividend reinvestment plan. We'll just quickly yeah. explain what this means. Maybe go for it, Kate, if you want. Yeah. So you've got your unit of IVV now and some of the companies in IVV pay dividends. And so I collect them on your behalf, and then on a quarterly basis, in IVV's case, I'm going to pay your portion of this collected basket of dividends from the company out to you. And so you can choose, do you want that paid into your bank account in cash? In that case, you have to make sure you tell Owen as computer share what Mm -hmm. your bank account details are, otherwise they can't pay it to you and they will just hold it and they might notify you, but if you don't collect it, they'll send it to the government so you'll have to go and claim it later. Okay. Uh, there's a lot sitting there's in unclaimed money. a lot of money sitting in that. Money. A lot yeah, of people okay. buy shares they don't realise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Your other option, if you want to do something a bit different, is to opt in for a dividend reinvestment plan. So you can tell Owen as computer share that instead of having the money that I'm giving you in your bank account, you want it to go into buying an additional unit in IVV. So with IVV, since it's $580, if you only own one unit, chances are you're not going to have a dividend large enough to buy another single unit because $582, you'd have to have- That's a lot of dividends. You'd have to have 100% dividend to buy another unit of IVV. Or a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd have to, for investors that have invested millions of dollars in IVV, this is not a problem, but you with one unit of IVV, it's a little bit different. So what happens is because you can't get a unit and you can't have a partial unit in Australia, you have to have a whole unit of IVV. Owen will collect the dividend that you've received and he'll hold on to it and then he'll hold on to it the next time there's another quarterly dividend, next time, next time. And maybe after a couple of years, in your case, with one unit of IVV, probably longer, Um You'll have enough that there'll be enough to buy a whole unit of IVV and then in your account, you'll be allocated 
another unit of IVV. So you'll have two units of IVV. Okay. So it just takes a little bit more time because it's adding up all the yeah. dividends. So this would be like if we've got the $500, the $580. Um, this would be like, because remember how we said in the last episode that the IVV ETF only pays, was it 1.3%? Yeah, it was quite low. Yeah, it was about that, right? So that means you're only getting about $5 in dividends yeah. a year. So if you, if you out. tell me to reinvest it, I'm going to be like, well, you've only got five bucks. Yeah. I can't buy $500 worth of investments for you. So what I'll do is I'll just hold on to the $5 every year until you've got enough to buy the actual ETF again. Yeah, cool. Now, this wouldn't matter if you had if you had a million dollars invested. You're going to, that 1.3% adds up to a lot. So yeah. you'd, obviously, I'd reinvest it for you. And that makes sense. So in that instance, I'd actually select not to get the DRP and just select to get the cash. Yeah. Because then that way you can then invest it in whatever. You can add it to your other pile of cash and you can yeah, invest okay. it. Yeah, because otherwise they're just holding it in cash. There's no, no interest. interest. It's not invested yeah, in anything. Yeah. So they're holding on to it for a long time. Yep. And so just a final note on this. Even if you tell Kate or tell me, sorry, that you want the um, the dividend reinvested, you're still going to pay tax. Yes. Because okay. it's still seen by the government as you receiving a dividend. Okay. Even though you're just reinvesting it. Yeah. You're there's still, still no you're still benefiting. Wise. Yeah, so there's no benefit. So, people with large portfolios that might be getting ten thousand dollars of dividends who reinvest it, they still have to put that ten thousand dollars on their tax return. Yeah, okay. Even though they've been allocated new units in that ETF and haven't seen the money in their bank account. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense because you're still making a profit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's so, just your preference, what you choose to do with it, but yeah, you have to pay tax. So there. Are, there are many advantages and disadvantages of this. The one advantage is it's just like automated. You can just keep investing. Um, the other thing is it's just like magic. This is like one minute you've got this many investments in this one ETF. The next minute you've got more. Mm-hmm. And then the next six months you've got more. And it looks so great to see that as well as the dividends. But the, just the reinvestment is like, wow, it's all yeah. adding up. And it's one less thing to think about. So, I mean... Oh, and I probably do different things when it comes to dividend reinvestment plans, but it's personal choice as well. Um, but it's a good way to, if you don't want to think about it and you are getting quite a substantial dividend yield from a share or an ETF, it's a good way to have it happening in the background without having to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have a podcast on share registries, mm-hmm. all of that fun stuff, DRPs, TFNs, paperwork, and I've also done a guide that really dives quite deep into the pros and cons of using a dividend reinvestment cool. plan. And can you change your mind as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah as long as you do it before the quarterly cutoff date, which they'll have on their website, you can change your mind. You can change cool. every quarter if you want to. So, um, yeah, just making sure you keep records of all of your transactions and your income, which your share registry will send you all those details. And I think main action points from today's episode are open some brokerage accounts and have a play. Try them out. They don't, most of them don't cost you anything to open. Yeah. And if you have been investing for a while, if you've invested before, like Monique, it's probably a good time to log into your share registry account. So get into Computer Share or Link Market Services. Make sure your address, your bank account details, your email, mm-hmm. your TFN are up to date and you've chosen the dividend settings that you want. If you remember back to the last episode, Kate, um, sorry, Monique, we said that don't have like 10 ETFs. Remember that example of that person that had like 30 ETFs? Mm. Imagine setting that up. You'd have to individually set yeah, them up or? You, you sometimes you can have a count for all of them, but you would have to select DRPs, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine receiving that's a like crap. <laughs> um, so that's what and we say. Keep it imagine simple. Imagine the things you have to provide to your accountant for 30 ETFs. Yeah. That's a lot of statements. <laughs> yeah. Just keep it simple. Like you only need a handful really. Yeah. And then, then you go on and then you create your wonderful sh- 
stock picking portfolio on the side. And for something like that, you can track your tax in a spreadsheet, just your buys and sells and the dividends you receive. Or you can use, um, there's a thing called ShareSite, which is like a software tool that integrates with your brokerage account. Um, up to 10 positions, investments, it's free. Okay, cool. So it reports all the tax for you and you just give that to your accountant. Awesome. Um, yeah. But if like, yeah, it's just keep it simple for your ETF portfolio is the moral of the story. And uh, we'll go from there. So do you have any questions before we close on out? I think you've answered them all. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the five-part ETF investing mini-series. We will have an ETF investing Q&A, so feel free to send any questions our to way. To Monique. <laughs> Monique oh, yeah. will answer all of your questions with her newfound knowledge. Now I know everything. <laughs> yeah, we love talking about ETFs. We think they're a great tool for new investors to get started. So we do chat about ETFs quite a lot on the podcast. We do regular deep dives if you're new to listening to the Australian Finance Podcast or a friend sent you our way. Uh, make sure to listen to the, the ETF Investing mini-series. If you look on YouTube, you'll be able to see the uh, wonderful chocolate props that are going to yes. be eaten over yummy, the next yummy. week. Uh, we do regular ETF deep dives. We talk about ETFs a lot and Owen's ETF research and recommendations on Rascore if you wanted to join us over there. We do have a course on this. It's no longer free, but if you are a member, you get it for free. So it's a massive saving if you become a member. Um, we also have Kate's wonderful workbook, so if you want to go through the checklist, if you want to go through um, a list of ETFs, there's a, a bunch of different ETFs that you can research yourself. Um, we've made it as simple as possible. Yeah, we even have an ETF research website, Best ETFs. We've yep. pretty much got ETF resources coming out of our ears. So if you want to dive in to this topic and this mini-series has interested you, we have a lot of resources. So be sure to check out the show notes mm. and keep learning to your heart's content. Yeah, keep learning about ETFs. We've uh, we done it. We did a survey of some of our subscribers not too long ago. 97.5% of them said they're going to invest in ETFs. That gives you a sense of just how popular these things are. These things are not going anywhere. They make investing simple, as we've broken down in this episode. It's easy to see why. Don't go to a party with the dream chocolate. Take the favorites. Cover all your bases. It's much easier. Um, Kate, you've done a tremendous job putting this all together. So kudos to you. Go and enjoy your lunch that you're about to have. <laughs> Monique, you've uh, you've learned a been lot. Wonderful. I hope you're a wonderful a student. You ask good questions. <laughs> you raise your hand, smiling. Yes. Um, that's really good. So I hope you learned something. And um, onwards to the next ETF. I've got a feeling it might be IVV, but we'll see. Um, yeah, Kate, really well done. So Wonderful. Thanks. Well, thank you for everyone for joining us for the ETF mm. mini series, especially if it's your first uh, podcast listening experience with us. Yeah, We'd love around. to have you back. We Subscribe. release episodes every Monday and Friday, and we're on all the podcast platforms and yes. YouTube as well because Owen likes to record his face. <laughs> it's actually bad. I do not. I hate seeing myself. Really? Subscribe. I don't know why you wore a wig before, but I wore anyway. a wig because that's no, I didn't have to see myself. Um, so, guys, no, thank you, Kate, for joining me as always. I'll see you in the next episode. And uh, Monique, pleasure. Thank you. It's good fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rask.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. 
If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.